Welcome, reanimated fans. I am H.A. Conrad coming to you as always with my intrepid co-host, Stuart Tiffin. Hello, Stuart. Coming at you from rainy Northern California. Woo! Well, that's different. It is certainly a change of pace. Of course, we've gone from drought to flood warnings. So, um, uh, so there you go. Yeah. It's gonna we're gonna well, get we're gonna get like nine inches of rain tomorrow. Fun. In one day. <laughs> which is is a lot uh yeah and it's also a lot for for land that is not used to getting rain so hey mudslides right and land that burned last year so yeah yeah pretty pretty toasty land but hey do not look a gift rain in the mouth definitely not although i might stand outside with my mouth open and just let it you know rain all over me it's 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 honestly it's hard not to go outside and just dance and here it is just gray so nothing nothing to report on that front uh, other than rain, a little gray, gray sprinkle here and there. It's been a uh, while since we did the reanimated weather checkup. So I was um, just thinking, I know how much people love it when we talk about the weather, but yeah. you know, it's definitely a full on fall here. I did my daily walk through the cemetery yesterday and it was pretty awesome. Your foliage, um, your foliage look, looking good out my, there. My cemetery foliage. Interestingly though, we've been getting a lot of like really cool sunsets but they look um there it's they are definitely um there's been some fires down south so i have i have to assume that some of the sunsets is due to some of the pollution from that because they do not look normal like that's the best way i can kind of put it um they look like smoggy weird sunsets but pretty cool regardless um you know uh, I'll enjoy the the post apocalyptic weird sunsets here. <laughs> so. They're they're okay. You just uh, you just then you got to check your uh, AQI, your air quality, and make sure it's not too bad outside. Of course, in the, in New York, I imagine it's never super great. Sometimes it's actually better than the West Coast often, but still we got a little bit of it. But anyway, all that aside, cemetery walks aside, things are going okay generally. All all good here, though. In reanimated news, there have not been a lot of news items, so. Today, we're going to probably we're not we don't really have anything to share on that front, but we are going to be chatting quite a bit about Midnight Mass, which is the Netflix series that, you know, more of a vampire series. So we're talking about the first couple episodes and kind of suitable given the Halloween season. So I'm, I'm all game for that. And you know, given your reign, it has it has some, you know, parallels. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully not too many parallels, but pretty much a, like an amazing cast. And this is this is a series directed by um, Mike Flanagan. Um, so Haunting at Hill House, Hush, um, a few other kind of horror genre-y things. Um, he also has the creator credit, which I, I don't know if that means that he wrote it all. I haven't been looking at the... Um... The credits to see if they have different writers for each episode. Have you have you noticed? No, I have not yet. So, um, but I definitely, you know, and, and I think some a couple of people mentioned that this has some tangential connection with a couple of his prior creations. So I have to look more into that, and I admit I didn't delve too far into it. But I will say just at the outset, before getting into our review, and I have thought this before actually with some of his other things. Oh, he also did Doctor Sleep, which was the the sort of sequel to 
to The Shining. He definitely has a huge homage to Stephen King, and I felt it so much in the these first two episodes. I don't know what you thought about it, but that was my I was like, wow, this feels like this is like pulling a lot of Stephen King references into it or sort of like that that vibe. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I guess I could see I, it's not a huge leap to get there for sure. Um, but I, I wasn't I hadn't made that connection, so it wasn't it rattling around in my head. Um, I'm honestly just kind of like I don't know that I've I've seen Stephen King deal this much with Catholicism, I guess. So it, it does feel like a, a different a different sort of animal to me, too. Uh, he hasn't gone into it to the extent. I would say more what I was feeling is a lot of the character, um, the care, the portraits of the different characters in this, the feel of the town um, definitely had a like very like Dolores Claiborne esque feel like that small town thing. Like it definitely had a lot of like um, Castle Rock feel to me. Like that's like a- yeah, it's it's such a character. And yeah. I, every time they do, a, and I don't know where the set is or where they found this place, if it's a real place, but it, it has so much character. Yeah. And like just the the idea that you've got this group of people, this very small community, and there's like secrets upon secrets, but everybody kind of knows different things, but there's still things that are hidden, even in this tiny community. Um, there's a lot of like, you know, especially um, the the characters are really well done and this cast is excellent. Um, I admit I am a huge fan of Hamish Linklater. Um, he is, uh, he has graced the stage of uh, Shakespeare in the park and he is really famous for that. Um, and he's incredible at it. Um, but I also love him as an actor in general. And I've really, I'm enjoying his performance here tremendously. Um, he plays father Paul in this, um, which is the, one of the main characters. Um, yeah, dude, the second episode, if not the main character. Um, yeah, well, he kind of ties it all together for sure. I mean, it's, it's probably supposed to be Riley. Uh, but yeah, the, the father, Father Paul, you know, I'll put that in quotes because I don't know if that's really <laughs> who, who that person is. But Father Paul is, is definitely a major central focus for the these two episodes. And that homily that he gives in episode two mm-hmm. kind of have me feeling some feels as an atheist. <laughs> I, I don't know uh, if, if your religious convictions are being um, like challenged or tested by watching any of this, but it's been, it's been really interesting for me as someone who's never been a Catholic. I was raised in the Angli- <laughs> Anglican church or Presbyterian, and, oh. but, but I have been an atheist in my heart since I was probably 11 um, and only gotten stronger in those convictions as I've gotten older. But having those those beliefs, watching this and Riley's journey has been really interesting to kind of be along for. Well, I don't know that I've ever made a secret about it, but I am definitely a recovering Catholic. And this is a tradition that I was definitely steeped in and maybe a little bit more so just because, you know, my my the family is is my grandparents are Irish Catholic and. I understand people's need for belief and, and I certainly do not judge anybody else's. Um, I wouldn't say I'm, I would say I'm probably more of an agnostic versus an atheist, but really don't subscribe to organized religion. I feel like 
anytime there's humans involved in these kinds of things, <laughs> there's, there's an ulterior motive. And I was feeling the feels in this, but I also have a little bit of, I'll admit to you, a little bit of PS, PTSD <laughs> watching some of the church scenes and specifically the one you mentioned. It, I mean, and, is that normal? I, not, I've only been to like one, two Catholic masses and I don't remember them, but is it normal for the, uh, priest to yell at the congregation that much um it depends on the priest everybody has their different style um i would say the more sort of general he that is very much not i would say probably not really a catholic uh tradition i have seen a few more untraditional priests um but not as many as i've seen people that are just kind of going through the motions quite frankly and they'll like read a homily they don't necessarily are they're not necessarily adding in their own interpretations into the way that um that this this particular priest is so it is out of character um for that kind of a mass um most of the time like every once in a while you'll see you know some kind of connection um and one of the things you know i take a lot of issue with um, and always have is that, you know, there is to me, especially with with, you know, organized religion, there is a lot of um, there is a lot of treating people as other and a lot of, you know, a lot of guilt. Uh, and that's the average Catholic guilt thing kicking into. Um, and it's to me, it's very manipulative. And I definitely felt that way here. And I actually the conversation between. Father Paul and Riley, I thought was just pro at this point, one of my favorite moments in the show and like really incredible acting there. Um, it's an intense scene. It was intense, but I, I really enjoyed it. But yeah, like I, I will say I didn't anticipate that the, some of these scenes triggering me in the way that it did. Um, and then, you know, and then they also have these characters that are really, illustrating sort of specific thought processes and specific, I don't want to say stereotypes, but I guess that's kind of it. But Bev Keen is a very good example of this, you know, of somebody who is supposedly quite devout, but there's something really rotten there, you know? Oh yeah. And uh, that the show, it's interesting actually how much the show shows its hand with characters. Yep. Like, like from the first episode, we know there's something in that big box that father Hill moves into the house. Right. Yeah. Uh, we know that Bev Keen poisoned the dog. I feel like yep. like her dress is in the shot where she drops the the poisoned hot. We assume it's the poisoned hot dog vehicle of yep. uh, that kills Pike the dog. Um, it, it doesn't like hide a lot. And and to me that I don't know that that is a Stephen King method. I feel like he, he is not quite that uh, brazen with his plot points. Maybe um, it's not. It's not that that was sort of hitting the notes there for me. It's more of the sort of character characterization of the hypocrisy of things that are supposed to be or feel as if they are, you know, like, for example, the idyllic idea that people have about small town life. Um, and not thinking about the struggle that that might be. And case in point, this whole town, it's like you do like you see these you have these beautiful shots of like the sunsets and, and sunrises and, um, you know, and, and it is this community. But then you have like the darker side of the fact that this is a community struggling because of an oil spill and, you know, the town is kind of dying out and there's still tragedy even beyond that, like with 
alcoholism and uh, and in part maybe connected with that, but um, with alcoholism, but also, you know, like there was a quote unquote hunting accident with Lisa. And so there's all these like sort of layered things that are trying to, that are the antithesis of what you might see initially. And that is very Stephen King. Um, where I, I, I also of- really like the element of this town is shrinking and dying. And that's yeah. like clearly part of, of what the story is about. And like all of these issues that you're describing are just kind of like condensed and, and the, the effects of them are felt more, even more strongly uh, because right. there, are so, there are fewer people to like diffuse them about. Right? right. And while I did not grow up on an Island, though, I guess you could just, kind of think it was an island of sorts if you think about it just from a small town point of view. As a person who did grow up in a small town, I do think that these kinds of stories and these kinds of characterizations really hit specific notes <laughs> for me that they may not for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the Catholicism and that um, and, you know, the, this whole and the Bev Keen character is I, I hate to say, but, I mean, maybe it's not somebody everybody knows, but I feel like that is a character that a lot of people know um and she's horrible she's just and not not necessarily to the lengths that she goes i don't mean to be implying that kind of thing but just the idea that somebody is like so very focused on all the ceremony and all the rules of the church without actually understanding the gist of what the teachings are right um and and sort of carrying out everything to sort of the letter of the law and observe and observing and you know, I'm sure we will find out a lot more about her a little bit later, but um, at least initially they do a really good job of characterizing her in this specific way. And we don't just see it from how she's acting. We hear it from her. We see it with her interactions with other people, but we also see it in how other people talk about her. Um, And specifically, I'm thinking of the scene between Sheriff and what is his name? The, The or Joe, wait, who? Joe, yeah, Joe. Joe. Um, and that, you know, and we hear other people make comments about her. Um, so it's it's interesting that they do a very good job at and and she's not the only character that they build in this way, but that's the one that stood out so much to me. Um and so I thought that this was really well done. It is a slow burn. So they are still setting the table, I would say, though getting there a little bit more quickly in the second episode yeah it's, um, it's interesting it's like a, a duality between there's it's a slow burn but they are not hiding some of these major right. plot points we know there's a monster on the island and now it's yep. starting to kill people by episode two in episode one it's satisfied with killing cats yeah um, but let's also uh talk a little bit more about the the rest of this cast you just said star-studded and i 100 agree but we've got people like kate siegel who uh, is playing oh gosh uh aaron Aaron Green, but also um, married to she's married to um, Mike Flanagan and and she's in almost like everything that he does, as far as I can see. And then we've also we have uh, Rahul Kohli, who I know you don't like iZombie, but I kind of love him in iZombie and he's fantastic. I'm really psyched to see him in this role. Um, And it's a pretty cool role. Like he's also like he's he and his son are on the island as some of the only people of color um there are people of color but they are these these two are sort of like 
new um well they're not catholic members. is really the main right. thing that sets them apart and they're and, not but they're also new to the community so this, that's the this other community part. is interesting in that way because they talk about themselves as this like mixing bowl or melting pot crock pot because they are like more diverse than your typical small rural town it's not just all white people there are people of color they appear to have at least ethnic diversity, but what they don't have is religious diversity. Right. Uh, so have and and there's a huge subplot through these two episodes about the Eucharist, or not, I don't know if I'm saying the right words, but the 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 communion and the anybody who's not taking communion basically, I think, is going to be significant as the story goes on, <laughs> right? Right. Well, and that's the thing in a normal church in a normal sized, um, but I'll also point out that in most places church attendance is down. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's not just pandemic related. That was pre pandemic. Um, so, but even so in a larger congregation, most people aren't going to know if you don't go up to take communion, but in this one, you can't hide that. Um, and also you can't hide that you're not there. Um, if it's like a bigger group of people, like the number Um, of people who say to Riley after his first Sunday back, I noticed you didn't take take communion. (laughs) It's just funny. But I will also say that that's probably not something anybody would comment on because typically when somebody doesn't do that they're not in a state of grace and you don't it's a very private thing like you don't really question why somebody's not doing that that's that's Um, a good insight so so that's kind of odd that they are commenting on it and for the priest and this is again something like that shows you something's not for a priest to be saying this in public at the end where he's like greeting the community uh in front of parents that is not normal um so that is it is a very private thing because it probably has it because it has to do with your state of grace and typically your confession. And there, that is a very private thing. So father Hill is a in your face sort of dude, apparently Um, Um, playing Riley's mother is an actress, an actor named Kristen Lehman or lemon. um, And she, I didn't recognize at first because I think she's been aged. And I think there's there's several people in this another person that is so significantly aged. And I was like, is that, really and, and well we, i sure think we we know what's going to happen is, yes. is there's going to be a lot of reversals of that yes we know. I, so kristen layman it, i i recognize her once i see a real picture of her because she mm. was in one of my favorite episodes of the x-files where she played in visigoth this like hacker who was getting oh. hunted by an, uh, by an artificial intelligence oh um, i love that she was fantastic in that great yeah 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 i know who she is now um and then also annabeth gish uh you know, and they there's so many things that Annabeth Gish was in, but also the X Files. Yes, also the X Files, but she's also been quite a few of the um, Flanagan um, creations. So she was in Haunted at Hill House as well, um, but also uh, say anything. So there you go. Say anything. Oh no, she wasn't in Say Anything. She oh, was Ione in, Sky was the that was Ione Sky. No, sorry, she was in and West Wing, obviously. Um, Mystic Pizza. Um, I know halt and catch fire though. She was also, she did that. And like, I, and I think she was also in, um, sons of anarchy. Um, but she's a really incredible actor. So, so there we have her, um, I don't know. There's just like this incredible, Oh, and Henry Thomas, who honestly, I did not even recognize at first until I saw the cast list. Um, What do we know him from ET? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh my god. Yeah, now I could see it in his in his eyes. But, you know, there's a really it's just a fantastic cast. Uh I also like the kids that are in this or the quote-unquote kids, teenagers. Like Riley's little brother. 
this kid, yep. his brother's name is Warren, his his little buddy and fellow altar boy. Are they old to be altar boys? They're old, but if this is a small community, they probably continue to do it because like, there's probably nobody else. It nobody seems else. like, and I think that that's kind of like what they're pointing to. They're at they're at a different. So there's like altar boys, but there's like different levels of things and responsibilities as you get older. So um, they're probably filling in, but there were no younger altar boys here. So I think that's also showing that the community is kind of dying. Um, there are two other younger kids in the in the congregation on Ash Wednesday, at least. But yeah. Right. Uh, and so his name is Uker, Warren's buddy, and they're like troublemaking teens who like to get high. And and then Ollie is the other teenage um, boy who's um, Sheriff's sure. son. Well, and it's also I feel like they did a great job, again, very Stephen King like where the kids have their own sort of world. They're doing their own thing. They're doing their own secret things. And while the adults will comment and try to keep them in line, the kids are going to do what they want. And they're going to like, and even, you know, when there's like sort of the first scene with the three teenagers um, sitting, you know, around the, around the fire and talking about prior things that they have done this, this place where they are, the Upperlands uh, is basically that sort of the, place where the kids go because no adults will go there and it's kind of gross and there's tons of feral cats and they're not bothered and you know so they're they do a really good job at characterizing that kind of thing Mm -hmm. which i think is good um and so i don't know like i think that this is i like how the narrative and i like how the storytelling is going i also got kind of like um the, the thing with the sheriff i feel like his um very jaws like too even in how he handles things and the the advice he's getting from the mayor to basically <laughs> because everybody's always worried about an oil spill like the mayor is basically telling him even though you're you're muslim you should come to the church. Just you should come to feel. church and do a reading. I can't believe I couldn't believe it. He was saying but that. You could see that happening. And it felt like very there was a bit of a Sheriff Brody thing going on and how the mayor is trying to advise the yeah. sheriff to do things. And the sheriff is doing things exactly as you probably should be doing things, especially in this case uh, where we see all the cats up on the beach. And he's like, yeah, if there's like some kind of a he's like, everybody should be taking care and making sure that this isn't something more toxic or whatever. And then he's like taking care of business and the mayor's like, eh, this might disturb people. And he's looking at him like he's crazy. Um, the only sort of difference here is that some of the people on the beach support the sheriff. And so they're like, yeah, that's what you need to do. You need to burn these things. <laughs> so it's like, but I thought that that was a nice little touch, a little, a little callback. So that was pretty good. But he definitely has the, uh, like the blather of the, of the, uh, practice blather of a politician, even though I, you know, what's his electorate, what's his, uh, his constituent number It's probably like 50 people. Um, but he, he can just talk and talk and you even hear him start to repeat the same stories in the yep. same scene. And honestly, that scene where they're having that conversation on the beach and it's the beginning of episode two, it's mm-hmm. one it's one take right or one shot where the, the yep. camera is just walking around them as they're having that conversation that was mesmerizing to me i'm like am i gonna see the cameraman's shadow like i was just i get i kind of get pulled out of the scene when i'm looking at those shots but it's also just so much fun to watch those no and i actually re-watched it for the same reason that you're just talking about because i was like really well done this that was a great 
oneer um and same thing i was like how did they do this without <laughs> cuz it's like full light right yeah so but really really well done uh that particular scene so there's some interesting elements here we've talked about it being a slow burn and the thing is we know there's a monster from the very first episode and it, you even see it in the first episode very and yet very very briefly. very briefly but yeah and, and you aren't seeing it in full light still yet uh and that's that's totally great but what's weird is that it doesn't come out and just start like if you were to compare this if this is a vampire movie uh show and i'm not 100 sure what that i know what we're dealing with yet it kind of feels that way but we'll see typical or depending on what kind of vampire show you're going for they usually just come out swinging right like in the strain yeah, sure, they kind of build up, but you know that they're killing people and turning more people into vampires. In things like, I don't know, um, 30 Days of Night, they just show up and start murdering an entire town. Uh, and in this one, it's it's so strange because it's like it, it apparently is flying around and freaking people out by sounding huge and being it's kind of noisy, right? Yep. And it doesn't it like keeps getting seen and it doesn't seem to have a problem with like being obvious. Uh, well, and who is it being seen by, though? And that's the kind of genius part of this is that like Joe, for example, cl clearly he has seen whatever this is, but it can be passed off because he's like a giant albatross was chasing me. You know, he doesn't and even remember it when the he doesn't even tells remember him. it. Um, and kids even, and even what the kids see, like it's so quick. I actually had to go back and pause and like try to see what they were seeing. And it was done really well. Um and I do think again, like again, not to like call out Jaws, but this is a little bit of the you're hearing about it. You're hearing about something, mm -hmm. although in this case, they don't know exactly what it is, um, but you're not actually seeing it. And I think that that is a really good mechanism because it builds that tension. Um, so even though it's showing itself and not really necessarily worried about being seen, there is some sort of like it has and it's killing cats versus people at this point. But there is there does seem to be some thought or thought process maybe behind it. So you're still kind of figuring out what the what the basic like what the story about this thing is going to be. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, there's there's definitely something up with the the communion wine. I'm pretty sure it's vampire blood because as yeah, we see something. through the set in the second episode, everybody's starting to feel better. Um, like uh, clearly in the final scene of the second episode, Lisa uh, can yeah. walk. Uh, but like um, Riley's mom is taking off her glasses. His dad doesn't have his back problems anymore. And, yeah, and he looks and he's looking younger, too. Um, yeah. And everybody kind of is. Um, Although I will also point out that Lisa goes to church a lot more than anybody. So right. maybe she's getting more of whatever's happening. She takes communion every single day. I didn't even know that that was a thing that you can like go to mass every day, but it's wild. You can. It's yeah. And I mean, if that, that church uh, episode for, for Ash Wednesday was not indicative, I mean, to me, it was like, okay, let's see what's going to happen next. Because <laughs> clearly he is uh, implying that something will be. Um, oh yeah. We're going to resurrect this town. Uh, there's some, there's some, I mean, it's it's Catholicism. It's full of that kind of reanimated la language that we enjoy because, uh, you know, Jesus is the original zombie for, for some. Mm -hmm. But um, there's a lot of that kind of language getting thrown around and a lot of fervor. Yeah, not, not the Bev Keen sort of fervor, but something a little more insane. Um, yeah. So Paul Hill the, is clearly in cahoots and whether or not he is Senor Pruitt, um, Sarah certainly seems to think he is. And um, the way he stares at the doctor uh, is really just, it's his daughter. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause he's really, yeah. Him and Sarah uh, Gunning probably had a. Enter like in the way that he gave the communion to the, to, to the mom. I mm-hmm. think, I think that's, I think the doctor's his daughter. Wild. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there are a lot of cool elements to this and, and I'm really enjoying, and I can, I can see why Kyle was unable to watch it on, um, in more than one sitting. I think he like plowed through the entire show. Yeah. Um, I had to, I had to pause and force myself to pause. So there was, there was that. Yeah. I wanted Um, to ask you how you're enjoying the scenes between Aaron and Riley. Um, how do you like the performance of Riley? I think he's fine. Um, actually, I started to like him a lot more after the scene with with Father Paul. Like yeah, I thought the that AA was, meeting, and maybe that's a little bit of what they're trying to do because they're trying to hide a little bit of his thoughts. They're trying to make him somewhat mysterious in terms of what he went through, and so you don't. I mean, you don't. He doesn't actually have a ton of um, lines up until these points where he talks with Aaron, and then he talks with Father Paul. But like we know only about him. What we saw in the beginning is that he was drunk and he uh, was responsible for this accident that killed somebody. um, And that's why he ended up in jail. And this is his whole, like this, his whole story arc is, you know, coming back to this Island. And again, I think that because I grew up in a small town, the conversations between him and Aaron really strike some pretty familiar notes with me, which is, you know, the idea of trying to get away from that community that to something else. Um, and both of them had done that and are now back. Um, and, um, it does, it does feel like they're both a little bit stuck and they have different reasons for feeling the way they are. And she's back pregnant in a community that's kind of gossiping about her. Um, she's back, not just like, and her mother clearly is gone. Her mother was like an alcoholic, And she stepped right into her mother's job, you know, and she has to interact with all these people that had different ideas about her mom. And she talks about this pretty openly with Riley. Um, And you get that they were they were definitely involved, but also they were each other's probably um, they were they were the people that they could talk to the, the trusted sort of like if you're talking about confessions, it seems like these two have a level of trust that others in the community don't like there's a pretty big bond between them yeah and they pick right back up like they pick right back up like it's sort of like that when you've known somebody that long in your life and they really there's moments of awkwardness but then there's like moments of grace between them that are just sort of like clearly there's a connection between them that goes way back and um, through, through some of those interactions you also get a better sense of riley's moral compass and i think that despite the fact that he got drunk and drove and killed a girl, he seems to be doing the right thing uh, so far. We're not very far into the episode, but he does the right thing almost all the time. Yeah. Like he is just this like morose guy who doesn't say a lot unless he's in a really awkward AA meeting with one other person, which was amazing. That whole exchange was pretty funny, but otherwise he's like, he wants to be home to, you know, like be, be home on time. And apparently that's something that Aaron brings up that he used to sneak out of her room to go home, to make curfew, uh, like that. He's respectful. Um, when he sees somebody out on the beach in a storm, he runs outside to see if he can help them. Like he is a guy is an interesting character for the reasons that you described, because he doesn't say a lot, but his actions seem to speak to, a morality. Well, and because when he did, you know, he was responsible for this person's death. It's not like he can forget it. He sees her every single night and there you kind of get this whole sense of where he is 
Um, he is not something that has gotten, you know, he did his quote unquote time, but he's still in prison because he's still like tortured by this. So it's not as if he treated this whole thing lightly. And even when he's talking to Father Paul, he kind of initially starts talking about the alcoholic piece of him as being another he mm -hmm. and then totally brings out and he's like, I, you know, he takes full responsibility for his actions, um, which, you know, this is this does speak to who he is, um, but also why why he is where he is at the moment. Um, and he's in misery. And even some of the stuff that he talks about with Aaron, he most definitely, um, I will say that I think that they are really putting this island as like a purgatory too. Like, and that's kind of what it feels like for him and for Aaron. There's definitely multi layers of some dogma being thrown in here. <laughs> that's an interesting thought. And also in, in um, Fl Mike Flanagan's Wikipedia, it says that he's been an, uh, an atheist since 2018. So I think he's probably working out some stuff um, on the page here. And um, what did you think? I love those. I mean, they're a little bit spooky, but I love those shots of uh, of what Riley sees when he goes, when he lies down in bed every night and the screen mm -hmm. turns on its side. And then there's the girl with the um, police lights reflecting in the glass that's embedded all over her. Yeah. Like horrifying imagery, but also just like, wow. I, I think it's really cool the way that they put that, that shot together. Right. And then him in the middle of the, the water, like alone. Um, and yeah, just, what's going on there? Like without a rudder, um, like there's just a lot of religious imagery going on here and references. So I'm sure we'll see a lot more of that given where this island is and how people are acting and what's going on, there may be more layers than that we will see unveiled a little bit further into this. Um, I also say this as the haunting, you know, at Hill House had a few different things going on and was allegory for some other things. So I think that that is definitely the case here. I think it's pretty, I'm pretty certain about that. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see I'm, I'm pretty happens. pumped about it. I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot and I can't wait to, talk about the next five episodes. I also, I mean, you, we spoke about a little bit about the cinematography and the, the directing here. And I will say that the, the, it is really well done. The art direction in this, in this, these first two episodes, and I'm assuming for the series, um, there's really like the use of certain, like there's parts that are extremely like desaturated and, um, like just sort of darker and, and more depressing. And then there's like other, like, as I said, they kind of like walk that line um, because it's really beautiful, but also it's like this community is sort of going downhill and you can see it and you can see it just um, one of the best scenes I thought in terms of like setting the table about what was going on and what this community is like um, is with the scene of the younger brother, Warren, when he hops on his bike and he's just riding and you see him ride by and ride into this community and you see all that the houses that are shut shut down basically because people have left um it is definitely a community that's in trouble i love and that it, that scene too because it was all edited to the music it was yep. a flash of flash to the to the rhythm and i really and, enjoyed that yeah so that was really well done um so again i just think uh slow burn but they aren't necessarily keeping like the tension because you are you you do know something's happening um you know i kind of like to think about it as like you know the jaws on the island as a vampire but we'll see if that holds true <laughs> in the next few episodes um oh, but it's not it's not but it's just kind of where you know where my head's at these days um but i'm really yeah i'm really enjoying it and i will have to 
hopefully I will not go through all the episodes, but I can make no guarantee. But, uh, you know, I'm terrible with this. I can't. I sometimes blend the next one. And so maybe I'll have to limit it to the next two. So we'll see. If any of our listeners have seen this and have thoughts, please feel free to send us an email, reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a note on our site, reanimatedpodcast.com, or just tweet at us, which is reanimatedpcast. And I think until next time, ciao, right? Yeah. Like H.A. said, thanks for listening. And ta-ta.